We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, this is Stephen Haglin, the host of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the show. As always, we do appreciate any ratings, reviews, likes, subscribes, comments on any podcast platform, including YouTube. And I want to start today off by giving a shout out to one of our sponsors, The Backroom Collection. You can find him on Twitter at The Backroom C-O-L-2. Again, that's The Backroom C-O-L-2. Uh, he has been putting out some fire chargers prints, and I think any football fan should check him out and be able to upgrade their man cave, their workout you know, situation, their home office, their actual office. Check him out online, thebackroomcollection.net. If you use the code GAC, that's G-A-C, on your first purchase, you get 10% off. He is even going to be able to attend a Justin Herbert signing. He's got a bunch of Justin Herbert prints that he will have signed by the man himself. Again, use the code GAC for 10% off at thebackroomcollection.net. Thank you so much for supporting him and our show. That being said, let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. Very happy to be joining you today ahead of the week six matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. Cannot wait to dive in. First, got to introduce my guys here today. I uh, have to start with Tom Brady's creepy kisses on YouTube, aka Alex. Thanks for taking the time to join us, man. Uh, I know your Eagles are playing right now, so how are you doing? I'm good. This might be a, a good distraction from what's about to come because I think uh, I think Tom Brady's going to do Tom Brady things tonight, unfortunately. But uh, I'm excited to watch Jalen Hurts, so we'll see. Yeah. And for my fantasy football team's sake, I, I hope Tom Brady does do Tom Brady <laughs> things. Um, Tyler, how are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing better. Obviously, things were rough the last couple of days, but being on the podcast really helps. That's kind of the whole thing with the podcast. It's always been a place where you can go just talk about football and apparently politics, according to one of our viewers. Um, and then violating their safe space. Um, Alex, is this the first time that Brady's played the Eagles since the Super Bowl? Uh, other than the preseason, I think so. Yeah. Oh, boy. So he's got a revenge game going a little bit here. 
Uh, I mean, I guess, but no one's really on the team. It's only like it's only like Fletcher yeah, Cox and it's Kelsey Fletcher and Cox Hurts. Hurts. Yeah, everyone else is kind of gone, and you know, it's Jalen Hurts who wasn't even in the league when that Super Bowl happened. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I hope we stomp him because he fucking sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Well, it should be a, a fun matchup in the trenches, at least, because I know Javon Hargrave, you know, Fletcher Cox, Ryan Jensen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ali Marpet. That, that'll be a fun one to watch in the trenches. But I know that Alex doesn't like offensive linemen, so it's okay. No, I I, I, I like <laughs> offensive and defensive linemen. I, I want to see those guys go at it. I did think it was funny that Brady uh, gave a shout-out to uh, Hargrave and Cox specifically, and then he also yeah. had a quote from the shop where he was like, whenever uh, I want to say that this guy sucks, I actually say that he's good in press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> he, so, you know, I, I don't know how genuine that was, but it was nice of him. <laughs> Yeah, Hargrave has been fantastic this year, and Fletcher Cox is is always really good. So, anyways, this is a Chargers podcast. We'll we'll dive right into the Chargers matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. Lots on the line uh, in this one. Just really quickly, do either of you know off the top of your head when the last time the Chargers were five and one? Twenty fourteen. I looked this up. This was the Mike. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This, I, I put. Well, I know this stat because I put it out when they were four and one. So. They were five yeah. and one to start that year. Yeah, and that's yeah. when they were got to number one power rankings, and then everything went to shit. Yeah, because they ended up seven and nine. I think that year, right? Seven nine, eight and eight, something like that. Fourteen, they're nine and seven, but missed okay. the playoffs. I'm pretty sure. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they were five and one to start that year. Oh. So. uh yeah, but definitely a, a fun matchup this week. You know, <laughs> hopefully the past does not repeat itself there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. <laughs> Sorry. Let's dive into this matchup, though. We'll talk about the uh, biggest storylines, as we always mm-hmm. do, ahead of this matchup. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, very different aspects of this defense. Um, and so I'm going to let Tyler, I think I, I assume this is where you're going to go with this one, Tyler. Uh, but what is your biggest storyline this week? Oh, I, I don't know where you think I'm going with this. So <laughs> my storyline is pretty general this week. It's just however Staley decides to stop one of the deadliest rushing quarterbacks in the NFL, who is now an elite passer in a very dynamic yeah. offense. You know, you watch the, the Ravens lineup. They had a play versus the Colts where they had the receiver run in motion from left to right. And Jackson took the, the snap looking forward, then turned and pump fake to the running back, then switches, swings back around to... Uh, uh, bring the bring his stance over the middle or whatever and hold the defense and then he again turns over and flips the ball to the receiver like in the whole shot like right between the boundary corner that came up to try to get the swing route and then the safety who's back there like everything they're doing right now it's so crisp and so beautifully designed in their plays and so you know how does Staley choose to disrupt the precision with Jackson the way Jackson's playing um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of punching the football out this week too kind of yeah. like they were against the Chiefs um me personally even though jackson's been amazing as a as a as a thrower this season i'm still gonna be focused on jackson the runner you know when you throw the ball three things can happen and two are bad for jackson so hopefully now we'll see within this year utterly but trust your secondary and and the swagger of your defensive backs maybe get campbell onto the field more somehow you know if he runs he's basically killing them barring a forced fumble so i'm gonna try to maybe stop that first um but again i'm not the defensive guru Staley can figure it out and hopefully he does and we don't repeat the 47 to 42 shootout that was last week 
Yeah, I, I, so I assume that you were going to be talking about Nick Neiman. So that that's my bad. I was illustrating uh, the situation. We'll talk about Nick Neiman later. There we go. Um, I, it's really interesting, right? Because I've given Greg Roman a lot of shit over the last couple of years about the lack of continuity and creativity and you know efficiency in the Ravens' passing attack. And some of that has been personnel for sure. But you know, heading into the season, the excitement was like, oh, we have Rashad Bateman, we have Sammy Watkins. You know, hopefully Marquise Brown takes a leap, and he has. But Bayman's been hurt. He might be back for this one, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, their their passing attack has been much better than I would have thought. You know, uh, Lamar Jackson leads the league in average depth of target. Marquise Brown is top five in yards per reception at the wide receiver position, as is Mark Andrews at the tight end position. So they're pushing the ball down the field a lot more than I would have thought heading into the season, especially, you know, with Lamar, who I think has improved as a passer. But he really seems to have taken a leap, a significant leap this year as a passer. And it is going to be interesting to see, you know, how Staley, you know, divvies up his resources because there's always that threat uh, of, you know, Lamar Jackson, the runner. And mm-hmm. I, like, I have confidence that they'll limit the big plays this week. But, um, I'm, you know, I'd be, wor- I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried about the run defense for different reasons than I was last week. Um, Alex, what is, uh, if you want to touch on that, you obviously can, but what's your biggest storyline for, uh, week six? I think the run defense plays into it, but it's really, how do the chargers match up against the team that's sort of built to attack all of their weaknesses? Run defense is obviously one of them, but, uh, also Mm -hmm. here's a little stat for you. The chargers are 29th in special teams, DVOA. The Ravens are second. Uh, they also awesome. have the best kicker, and we have the Great. fucking worst kicker. Um, <laughs> so there's a problem. Uh, and the Ravens are also a very well-coached team themselves, right? Like there's no Mike McCarthy, you know, weakness that you're attacking here or like some kind of replacement level coach. Stefanski was good last week, but obviously he has have to been dealing with Baker and some of these other injury problems the Browns have been having, right? The Ravens, not super healthy but relatively speaking for what their team needs they have lamar healthy and that's kind of all they need at this point um plus they have good coaching with uh, john harbaugh and all those guys obviously the ocs and dcs that they have in um wink martindale uh, and greg roman so they sort of can match up with the chargers in that way as well um so yeah pretty much if you're kind of trying to make a recipe for a chargers win or a chargers loss uh in this game it's going to be based on how do they kind of counter the team that's countering them, right, in terms of attacking all of their weaknesses. So um, that is what I'm curious to see in this game. And if the Chargers address those needs and special teams, address you know what to do with the run defense, uh, address how they're going to attack what the other coaches want to do, I think that's going to really determine. It, it seems obvious, but this is the first game where I think you know, not having good special teams, not having good run defense, it's going to cost you uh, against this Browns team. I, I don't foresee another shootout where, you know, it's a 50-50 score. Um, I, I think that if they falter in one of those areas I mentioned, they'll lose. Yeah, the Ravens are are so good on special teams every single year. And, then, you know, that stems from Harbaugh's background, right? But yep. I was looking on uh, Football Outsiders uh, this week while I was preparing for this LAFB article that I wrote. Um, and the Chargers are last in yards per kickoff return. And they, uh, KJ Hill is like an okay league average punt returner, 
the problem has been, you know, all of the other stuff where he lets the ball bounce and things like that. So right. they're like 27th in the league in punt return DVOA on football outsiders. So uh, it's not pretty right now. You know, you look at some of these other great offenses, right? Like the Buffalo Bills are the number one kick return team in, in terms of yards per kickoff return. They're first or second, I think, actually in uh, punt return DVOA on football outsiders. And, you know, the Chiefs are up there. All these, like, great mm-hmm. teams, they're all having a lot of success in the return game. And to me, that's an easy area for the Chargers to kind of make things easier for Justin Herbert, right? Like, it's, you know, the difference between the Buffalo Bills, number one kickoff return ability, and the Chargers last is eight yards. But that's eight yards over time, mm-hmm. right? Like, the, mm-hmm. every little bit counts, you know, once you get into December, January, and February. And it just feels like that's kind of handicapping the Chargers right now. And unfortunately, there's no, well, there is an easy fix, but for this team and what the coaches want, there is no easy fix because they're going to trot out Roundtree. I'm pretty sure they're going to trot out Hill. I don't know what they're doing with Guyton. Has anyone asked them a question about why they had Guyton out there with Hill? Because that would have been one of the first questions I asked last week because that is interesting. So, but again, they're not going to change anything. They want to keep the nice possession punts and kick returns and not fumble and start at the 15 and. I can't believe KJ Hill is actually somewhere in the average right now. Yeah. Uh, well, it's because mostly because of that 113 yard return. Yeah. It, it really is. Like he's averaging like six yards per punt return. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's only caught, he's only caught in return like six punts. Oh, like okay. that's the thing. You know, it's an issue have been, you know, they don't count fair catches, right? So, you know, all sure. the fair catches that he's done do not count for his average. The, you know, letting the ball bounce 18 yards against Washington doesn't count for his average. Um, so it's just Darius Swinton is having a press conference tomorrow. You know, we're, we're recording this mm. on Thursday night. So I, I hope that somebody asks him what's going on. I, I can't imagine that Nasir Adderley will be returning kicks this weekend because of the injury, Mm-mm. um, because he was on the injury report after the first game. And then in the second game, third game, he didn't really do that. And then he was back last week doing that. So, uh, it's going to be Larry Roundtree returning kicks again. And then who knows about punt return? Maybe we do see Jalen guy and get in there um on his own please don't do the two returner situation <laughs> high school play again please like uh, let it put another blocker out there for whoever's returning punts um but yeah that's just an it should be an easy fix right like just yep get a different person back there <laughs> with a little more juice um my biggest storyline to me it's how do the chargers get their pass rush back on track Hmm. And I think, you know, for a variety of reasons, they were not able to get after Baker Mayfield very much this past week. A lot of that is credit to the Browns for really, you know, doing bootleg action opposite of Joey Bosa or, you know, chipping him, double teaming him, even triple teaming him on a couple plays that I watched today. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of it was just that the, the Chargers were just frankly gassed, you know, mm. and, you know, they are playing Jerry Tillery and Christian Covington a ton of snaps right now. Um, frankly, just because they have to, of course, they're on the field for a, a lot, you know, this last game, but this game, I feel like is an opportunity for them to get back on track. Alejandro Villanueva is starting at left tackle, you know, after being a disaster at right tackle in the first game, he's currently maintaining the lead for most pressures allowed in the league ahead of guys like Storm Norton and, you know, backup tackles and things like that. Um, you know, I think Alex Leatherwood officially is now a guard. So, you know, that helps Alejandro Villanueva out a little bit. You know, Austin Jackson up, is up there in most pressures allowed too. So 
it has not been pretty for Villanueva over there on the left side, a little bit better than on the right side, but mm-hmm. he's definitely someone that can be had. And same with the right tackle situation, Ben Cleveland, uh, their third round pick is now injured. He's not going to play in this game. So to me, it's interesting. It, like the pass rush is an interesting concept this week because they caged rush. They cage rushed, excuse me, against uh, Patrick Mahomes trying to keep him within the pocket. Mm-hmm. So really it was like Joey Bosa, you get home or like none of us do. And I think we probably see that a little bit this week. But Lamar Jackson is also a below average passer when blitzed. And so okay. this this unfortunately is a it's a rough game overall to lose Drew Tranquil. Yeah. Which we'll get to. But particularly his ability as a blitzer was something I was looking forward to this week. Because the Ravens have not done a good job picking up blitzes, and Lamar Jackson has kind of struggled when uh, being blitzed. So the pass rush to me is a key this week because they did not get after Baker Mayfield enough, and really it caused them some problems. And this week I think they have to do a better job of isolating Joey Bosa in one-on-one situations and getting home on Patrick Mahomes. Because you mentioned you know, the peanut punch and forcing fumbles, and we all know what Uchenna and Wosu did in 2018 mm-hmm. to swing the game, uh, seal the game for the Chargers. And so I think the pass rush is in for a uh, must-win opportunity this week. Yeah, and I want to ask you this, Stephen, since you're the you know offensive line guru kind of of the podcast. Do you think that when it comes to uh, the sort of lack of pass rush we saw maybe against Dallas and against Cleveland a little bit, that it was kind of them getting gashed in the run game that like contributed to that? Because in both of those games, we go, okay, well, the Browns don't have, you know, Jedrick Wills and they don't have Jedrick Wills as backup. Chargers <laughs> don't create pressure. Against Dallas, it was, oh, they don't have Terrence Steele, so it's going to be a cakewalk for Joey Bosa. And then, you know, that wasn't really the case. Um, so it seems like they had more success against the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Chiefs did have some success running the ball, but not relative maybe to where Cleveland and Dallas were. So do you think that sort of the beating that they were taking in the run game contributed to sort of the lack of pass pressure consistently on reps? I, I think it definitely contributes more so for the defensive tackles than it does, you know, the edge rushers, because they're rotating the edge rushers and keeping them fresh, supposedly. Um, you know, I, I like the rotation that they have opposite of Joey. That they're mm-hmm. doing with Rumpf and Fackrell and Wosu, you know, it feels essentially like, you know, Wosu is taking 40 to 45 snaps. Fackrell's like 25, 30. Rumpf is 5 to 10. So I like the rotation they're keeping out there. But the defensive tackles, like, it's it's so hard for a guy like Christian Covington to go from, all right, I'm getting double teamed on this play by the best center and best left guard in the league to, <laughs> okay, now I have to get after Dak Prescott, who's going to get the ball mm-hmm. out in 2.5 seconds. Or now I have to get after Baker Mayfield who's going to bootleg and be 15 yards away from me by the time that I can get to him. So it definitely contributes for the defensive tackles, not so much in the edge rushers, in my opinion. Um, But, you know, they didn't get after the pass rusher or the passer against Dallas, I think because of their quick game more so. Yeah. Um, Dak Prescott was getting the ball out in like 2.2 seconds, like really, really fast release time. And then Baker was a lot of rollouts. It was a lot of RPOs. And a ton of screens. I don't know if you guys saw this, but twenty-two percent of Baker Mayfield's production this season has come on screens, Oof. which is just like atrocious. And so, that's nice. <laughs> it, that's, it just, was, that's some Justin Herbert Oregon yes. stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. So to answer your question, yes, it definitely contributes, but it's not the only thing that is is holding them back. Right. 
hopefully they have some sort of game plan to at least win on early downs because the Ravens watching them handle Chris Jones, it was just throw different things at him, run by him, run around him, make him useless, whatever. They did such a good job against him. Then, of course, you just watch what the Browns do. And again, the 22% of Baker's uh, production is on screens. And I think he had, I want to say it was like 150 to 200 yards of his production were on screens that day, yeah. um, which, of, of course, you need some good tackling to, to wrap that up and finish it. So hopefully they have some sort of good plan because the Ravens are obviously watching those two games and thinking, okay, this is easily how we can beat this Chargers defense and their down players. It's going to be rough. They just got to find ways to win. Hopefully Nick Neiman can contribute. Yeah, this is a big opportunity for Neiman. It's a big opportunity for forcing turnovers, right? Because mm-hmm. they were not able to do that against the Browns. The Browns, of course, are are very safe in that regard. But we've seen Lamar Jackson be very loose with the ball You know, these last few weeks. He had three fumbles this uh, past week against the Colts. Uh, the Colts were able to only recover one of them. So this is a big opportunity to create some turnovers and give Justin Herbert some short fields. And so yeah, uh, I think the pass rush is, is key to that uh, as well. Um, any other big storylines for you guys in this one? Uh, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> that's really the kind of beginning and all storyline in this team. Because to me, when you look at kind of the rosters, stacking them up against each other, the Chargers have, to me, a better roster than the Ravens. Like when you look at them uh, totally. But I, I think the advantage that Lamar gives them um, and yeah. what he's going to be that game really determines whether the Ravens win or lose. Um, and if you get kind of the Ra- Lamar that we saw against the Raven or the Raiders, I should say, then, you know, that's sort of more of a turnover happy quarterback, maybe wasn't feeling himself quite like he is now um, mm-hmm. in the passing game. Then you have a chance, uh, a much better chance to win, I think. Yeah, even that game went to overtime and both teams <laughs> turning over the ball in the red zone. Um, but, you know, I, I think against the Colts, uh, even though he produced those fumbles, he also made up through for uh, made up for, for throwing 400 yards, right? So to me, he is the Ravens, right? Like there's mm-hmm. no real, like considering the injuries in the run game and all the other injuries they have, like the team will go as far as he does. So uh, I'm curious to see, like we've talked about what Brandon Staley's plan is to, to, to stop him. Yeah. If you, if you want to talk about a player like that is, you know, really truly the MVP of his team. Like I, I think Lamar Jackson has yeah. a serious case of being like the actual most valuable player for his team. And so, mm. You know, with the way that their rushing attack is working right now, it's all Lamar. And they're using him more up the middle this year on the edges. They're not just doing, you know, option stuff. They're doing, you know, uh, quarterback counters, quarterback dives. Like, they're using him as much as they possibly can because they just do not have a reliable running back because obviously J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are injured right now. So. Yeah, and I saw people talking about like, oh, well, you know, because of the Ravens running back injuries, then that means you don't have to worry about their run game. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they're still top five in rushing, and they're yeah. averaging 158 yards a game because of that man. So, yeah. like, you do still have to worry about it, whether it's Latavius Murray or me in the game, just because, you know, <laughs> Lamar's going to be Lamar. Like, that's, that's yeah. it at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I saw a tweet that was saying that he – if you're talking about a 16 game pace through five games, his pace right now is better than what he did as an MVP in 2019. Mm-hmm. So obviously he gets an extra game this year. So it the MVP race this year is going to be crazy. Like there's so many quarterbacks playing at such a high level right now. Lamar, obviously, and Justin Herbert as well. So um, let's get to some of these injury updates next. I think this is a, an interesting conversation. I know a lot of people were 
Uh, worried in particular about Mike Williams, uh, who is listed on the injury report. He did not uh, practice today. The Chargers had a walkthrough on Wednesday, so Wednesday was really just kind of an estimation. Mm. Um, but Alex, any worry about uh, Mike Williams not playing in this game? I think he'll play. They said on the official injury report that it's a knee, right? Because um, yes. I, I guess that's interesting yeah. just because I thought coming out of the Browns game that it would be his ankle because that's sort of what he turned. But I guess his knee may have also buckled on that um, play on the sideline. Um, I'm not really concerned about him not playing. I think he'll give it a go on, on, you know, unless we're also talking about Friday and he doesn't practice tomorrow then I think that could be it. But we've also seen Staley not practice players on Friday and then play them in the game, right? So he is extra cautious in that regard. Um, I am a little bit concerned about what the receiving game is going to be without him. Obviously, the Ravens secondary is, is still banged up right now, um, but they have Marlon Humphrey. So like to me, they can lock down one charger, but if you give them the Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, one-two punch, I do think they will struggle with that due to the loss of uh, Marcus Peters, obviously, earlier in the year. Tyler, any worry about Mike Williams this week? He's a tough dude. And so in terms of him playing, I don't I'm not worried yet. But this is a very awful game to miss to to not be healthy for. And I, I hope this is not the beginning of something awful for Williams. He's off to an incredible start and the Browns got him paid by themselves. But, like, I don't know. I'm not – he finished the game, right? I know yeah. I think I saw some Josh Palmer, but he did finish the game. So yeah. I'm hoping it's precautionary. I do think he will play at what capacity. I don't know. Josh Palmer only has, I think, six targets and five catches so far. That's a big, big hole to fill. Yeah, I happen to think that Mike is going to play. You know, like Tyler said, I think, he, you know, he's played through worse, right? Um, oh, yeah. So I think Williams will play if he's not like that gets a little dicey, right? Cause I think not that I'm going to say, you know, I don't want to spoil this later on, but you know, Marlon Humphrey, like Alex mentioned is, is a legitimate shutdown corner. The Colts flat out did not target him. They targeted him once on a screen pass and they just said, we're not even going to throw his way. Wow. And we've seen that from the Raiders did the same thing. And so Marlon Humphrey is legit. And so, you know, Keenan Allen, if they want to shadow him like that, could be a really tough matchup for him potentially. Um, so if Mike Williams is not playing, I think that's obviously a big drop off. Um, I'm slightly concerned about Nasir Adderley's ability yes. to play in this one, um, only for the fact because you know they they estimated him as a limited participant on Wednesday's practice, and then today he was a DNP. So this definitely could them could be them being precautionary. We've seen that time and time again with this staff. But I am slightly concerned that Adderley is not able to play. I know he had a tough game against the Browns, particularly on David Njoku in space, mm -hmm. uh, missing some tackles. There was that clip of Odell Beckham Jr. really destroying him in the run game. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, so yes. he did have a tough game. <laughs> yeah, he had a tough game. But I think that if he's able to play, I think he'll be able to bounce back. Because I think, like I said, I've said a few times, I think he's really on the cusp of, of breaking out. But if he's not able to play, I think that really limits what you are able to do with Derwin James in this one. Um, mm -hmm. And ideally, you'd want to be able to allow Derwin in the box, matching it, matching up with Mark Andrews. And if Nasir Adderley is not able to play, then that really limits the kind of way you're able to move Derwin James around. So I'm slightly concerned yeah. about Nasir Adderley this one. 
I wonder how they're going to. Well, if he doesn't play, I'm assuming it's Gilman, even though I think Webb is technically Adderley's backup. But like, I, I think, think it'd be Gilman too. Yeah, but Gilman's been playing the most. My concern is either Gilman or Webb. If you watch Webb, he had some troubles against Travis Kelsey. And then, sure. of course, Gilman, I was charting all the plays that the Chargers had and how they stopped Waller. The only way Waller got open was because Gilman was just late a couple of times. Like the biggest play Waller had was because of Gilman. So I'm a little concerned when you have something like Mark Andrews coming up. Adderley, yes, he had a bad game, but he's been arguably, well, no, Mike Williams is most improved, but pretty close to most improved on the team. And he's sure. been amazing. And despite the one bad game, there were still good things in that game. Yeah. So missing him, like even though Mike Williams has practiced less, I feel like we know something about that. This going from limited to does not practice always feels worse to me. So hopefully he can play because that's going to be like, he's the last line of defense. Lamar Jackson is going to blow by whoever is in the, you know, this playing linebacker. And I don't, I don't know if Gilman's going to make that tackle like I really can. Yeah. I mean, just how the Chargers have been doing injury reports, because was it last week or the week before we saw the Chargers go from limited Justin Jones to did not practice <laughs> Justin Jones to IR Justin Jones. Right. So like we've seen that as well. Um, unfortunately, and then we've also seen someone like Kenneth Murray get hurt in a late practice, right, right before that Monday night game. Um, so to me, it, you know, health is going to be a big thing for this team going forward. Um, but yeah, I, I think they need Nasir Adderley in this one, especially given how the Ravens receivers have been playing better and how Lamar has been more frequent as a pass target. Obviously, need him in the run game too, um, especially given the loss of both Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil now which I think is going to be a huge problem for them in this one um, with the Ravens running game. So, you know, um, they they need Adderley to play, and I would say they also need Mike Williams to play. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those two are players, like Tyler said, you know, arguably the two most improved players on the team. Unfortunately, uh, I, I don't think Drew Tranquil is going to be playing in this one. He's listed with a chest injury. Uh, Brandon Staley said yesterday that they're still trying to gather information so he said it would take probably a couple of days. So he's not going to practice tomorrow, most likely, um, which means he probably is going to be out. So uh, tough <laughs> couple of weeks for the Chargers linebacker room, losing Kenneth Murray uh, to injure reserve. Now you potentially have Drew Tranquil missing this one. Brandon Staley did say it's not something serious. It's not something that they would put him on IR for. Um, you know, of course, they have the bye week next week. So that's obviously good for Drew Tranquil. Um, but this is a potentially big loss. Alex, what do you what kind of confidence level do you have in Nick Neiman, Eamon Ogbongwamiga? Maybe they switch to doing some more dime package this week. Um, where are you at with the Drew Tranquil potentially missing this game? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a 14 in terms of concern <laughs> for this game. Not really because of Nick Neiman and Eamon Ogbongwamiga not having like that kind of experience, although that, that that's definitely part of it. But, I mean, you know, you look back to that Patriots playoff game, for example, where the Chargers had to run all of these, you know, seven, eight uh, quarterback, you know, or safety lineups, right, in order to try to counteract the Patriots in that game. And the Patriots said, okay, you know, you have these injuries, so we're just going to gash you, right? And they did it the whole game with James White and, and you know, all those guys that they had. Um, and this Ravens game kind of seems similar to me where it's like, okay, well, you know, your choices are you can either play Nick Neiman and Eamon Agbong Bumiga uh, and, you know, take the, you know, losses there that they'll have on some reps uh, or 
you can put all of your, you know, cornerbacks and safeties on the field, and then we can might maybe eat you up that way as well. Um, so to me, it's really concerning. Um, it's not a diss on Nick Neiman or Agbang Miga, but not having Drew Tranquil for this game after already losing Kenneth Murray uh, is, is super concerning. Now they still do have Kaiser, um, and so you know that that obviously is a big factor, particularly in the run game. Um, but yeah, my, my confidence level in terms of like trying to stop this Ravens offense, particularly because they need to watch Lamar at all times, uh, that it's scary. I feel very confident in Nick Neiman. It is a awful (laughs) matchup. This is a terrible, terrible matchup to get your first start. Yeah. But again, the reason I picked Neiman in the, in the mock draft is because of Drew Tranquil, what they're looking for. Right down to the RAS score. Drew Tranquil's is 9.87. Nick Neiman's is 9.9. They are used and can be used in very similar ways. In the preseason, you saw Tranquil Blitz. You saw Neiman Blitz, and both were good at it. Yeah. Now, backups versus starters. But hey, you see the idea is very similar. Sure. Drew Tranquil has been a pretty sure tackler. Nick Neiman is a very, very good tackler. Granted, again, not against NFL starters yet, but he's been a, he, was, he was a good tackler in college. He looked like a really good tackler in the preseason. So a lot of the stuff you can use him for, or at least you can hope for him for, I think you can, I think you can not like a discount Drew Tranquil because I'm not, you know, they're both kind of day three picks, but you can kind of do the same things. And sure, you know, maybe he is just a Nick Neiman comes on the field. Maybe Ogbon Bamiga is more of a down to down guy. Maybe they have Neiman come on just to blitz or be the third down guy or something. Make it really easy. Hey, Neiman, I know it's your first start or whatever you're going to do. Your first big, big game with actual defensive snaps. We're just going to have you burst the passer or we're going to have you cover the flat or whatever it is. I think I feel confident that he can take care of it. The only difference is Drew Tranquil is just has been a lot stronger this year than I expected. I don't yeah. know where Neiman is that is that is at in that regard. They had the exact same weight coming out of college. Neiman is just one inch shorter, I believe. But Tranquil just looks like he got stronger and he knows what he's doing. He's been there. That's the big difference. So I think you can kind of mask some deficiencies. I do feel confident that Neiman can do a good job. But it's an unforgiving matchup. So best of luck to him because yeah. he's he's it's a hell of a matchup. Right. I mean, it's, it's 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 also just that like it's an unforgiving matchup, and it's like a hell of a place to have your first NFL game like yeah. against the Ravens. You know, if we were going against the Giants this week or something, or you know, some <laughs> like just bad NFL team with no running game. Like, I don't think it would matter as much. But just because you know this is the particular matchup, it, that's why I I don't really have too much confidence in. Neiman or Ogbon Bamiga to do it, you know, this game. Now, in two weeks, that could be a different conversation. If they start to get some reps and start to get that experience, you know, then yeah. maybe they're playable. Um, but right now, I think this is the worst possible matchup for them, unfortunately. Yeah, I think for me, it's more so the mental side because, yeah. like Tyler is saying, like, I I have confidence that Nick Neiman can see ball, get ball, right? Like, a lot of it is just instincts in terms of the run game, in terms of covering. Like, I think that he could do pretty well in, in certain instances in coverage and make some plays in space. The issue is that the Ravens run so many different option runs, option passes, that you have to be so sound in your technique, in your reads, and Nick Neiman can definitely do that. But it's just the frequency with which they throw these reads at your linebackers that, you know, it concerns me. Because Drew Tranquil... You know, we've heard time and time again is one of the smartest football players on the team. One of, Mm. you know, the players with the highest IQ in terms of communication, in terms of reading, in terms of film study. 
And so if he's not able to go, like I hope that he is coaching the hell out of Nick Neiman on the side <laughs> because you know that to me is the part where we miss. I think physically, uh, you know, I have no doubt that Nick Neiman will be able to hold up. It's just that when you're playing Lamar Jackson, if you misread on one second, yeah. Lamar is gone or, you know, he's throwing to Marquise Brown for a big gain or Mark Andrews. So to me, it's more so the mental side. But in terms of like physical gifts and like making tackles, I have no issues. If Nick Neiman leaves the team in tackles on Sunday, I would not be surprised. It's mm -hmm. just like the mental errors. They cannot afford to have many of them, if any. And that's where I think where you'll miss Drew Tranquil. And he's a core four special team player. Like Alex was saying yeah. earlier, like Tranquil mm -hmm. has been a key cog on the punt return, on the kick return. Despite being a starting linebacker, he's still maintained his special teams role. So that is another wrinkle. You know, maybe that's Eamon Ogbogmamiga's role on Sunday or Cole Christiansen if they elevate him. Um, so this missing Drew Tranquil is big. Question. Okay. All right. This is too early, but whatever. <laughs> if Nick Neiman, let's say he's an outstanding game, great game. You know, yeah. Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White are your starters, but Nick Neiman has a great game. Maybe even Ogbogmamiga plays pretty well in special teams, contributes on defense a little bit. When do we start considering trading Kenneth Murray? It's very we, early. Let's watch it's the game early. first. <laughs> it's very early. Come, come on. Uh, come I'm going to say right. no on this one. I can see the wheels should. turning in Alex's head like as Tyler is talking right there. <laughs> I'm not I saying mean, we like, should do I'm, it. Yeah, yeah. I, when do we start planting well, that seed? I guess what's his trade value at this point is what I would say in response to that question. Like, to me... If you're getting like a fifth or sixth round pick back for him, you know, doesn't it just kind of make more sense to keep him on the team and see if he can improve and contribute in some capacity? Like that would be my more my thing. And like he's only still in his second year, obviously had his struggles, but I'm more curious still to see what he's like after the injury. Although, you know, I get I get why you're excited about Nick Neiman. I, mean, I think we all are, but <laughs> I'm not, not, not jumping the gun yet. No, I think if Nick Neiman plays well or Eamon plays well, I think they earn more snaps because right now we've seen the two linebackers have essentially dominated the snaps, right? Like it's yeah. been, you know, both of them are on the field or one of them is on the field. We've never seen Nick Neiman in the game or Eamon. <laughs> um, even Tranquil, like the first two weeks, we barely saw Tranquil. So mm -hmm. to me, that would be more about earning snaps. But like if you want to, you know, talk about training Kenneth Murray, I know a team down in South Florida that could use some, high-end talent and i know a team in la that could use a run stuffing defensive tackle so you know let's make a swap and, and make it happen captain i like it specifically who uh christian wilkins okay on the, Dolph on the dolphins okay. yeah i gotcha i gotcha yeah okay i'm just uh, gonna throw that out there i know a lot of people think that like they're gonna keep him and he's indefensible he's a defensive tackle uh, i don't know why a team like the dolphins who are going in the wrong direction would uh try and keep a defensive tackle who they're about to have to pay some money to so to mm. me, I probably would consider trading him if I were Miami. Yeah, whenever you say like Florida NFL team now, I just immediately think Urban Meyer. So I was like, why, did <laughs> I, why does Steve, first of all, why do the Jags have high-end talent? And also, <laughs> why do you want to give Kenneth Murray and Urban Meyer? I was like so confused. But uh, yeah, the Dolphins might make sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Jaguars have Roy Robertson-Harris, who I wanted the Chargers to sign. They're not using mm. him. He's been a healthy scratch. So that trade can happen too, you know, because I think that would help as well. Um, all right, let's get to the Raven side of things because I think this isn't their injury report, similar to the Browns last week, uh, is pretty lengthy. Let me make sure I pull this up uh, and get the right 
uh, thing. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I know everybody was like doing the eyeball thing today. He was just sick, apparently. Like he's fine. Um, the offensive line to me is an interesting one to keep an eye on because mm-hmm. Ronnie Stanley is still not practicing. And we know that he had the serious injury, which he tried to rush back from. Um, Alejandro Villanueva did not practice either today, uh, did not practice yesterday. So if Alejandro Villanueva is down as well, then the Ravens are on their fourth and fifth tackles, which uh, is obviously a, a big issue. I know that I talked to uh, Ken McCusick, and he was lamenting that the Ravens did not keep Michael Schofield because they need to tackle mm. depth. And they a lot of people like Schofield and what he was doing in practice. So an interesting one to kind of talk about offensive line injuries as, you know, Chargers lose Ode Abushi, Ravens are potentially without Villanueva and Stanley in this one. Um, so I think those are, are kind of the two key injuries for me. What was Villanueva's injury or what's his designation? Uh, it's, a knee, it's a knee injury and did not participate in practice today. Both days? Both days. Mm, interesting. So one pressure for Joey Bosa, right? <laughs> that's, how, that's how it's been going yeah. this season <laughs> i mean yeah, look without being wave has been playing too like having someone else might just be an upgrade like so i don't i don't know if that's like a huge advantage for the chargers obviously just an offensive line in disarray should in theory be advantage for them but we've seen that not quite play out that way this season unfortunately um i just assumed that when they put illness uh on the injury report that it's the player had the shits um i, I just assumed <laughs> that out of principle especially lamar, lamar. Well, especially <laughs> Lamar, but even as a Sixers fan, I've seen Joel Embiid gastroenteritis on the injury report all the time, and it just means, yeah, he had the shits. Um, <laughs> they so actually like, say it? Yeah, they say gastroenteritis. But so, yeah, illness oh, means the shits, unless they tell you that he's in the COVID protocol. Um, but yeah, no. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that pretty much, I yeah, I think their offensive line situation is iffy. I guess I would just say, I don't think they need like a crucial performance in their offensive line just because of what Lamar is giving them in terms of speed in the pocket. Obviously you don't want to have him pressured a lot if you're the Ravens, but uh, you know, we Steven talked about the pass rating under pressure and stuff like mm-hmm. that when he's blitzed. But I do think that they're the one team that can kind of survive not having a great offensive line against Joey Bosa just because of how elusive Lamar is, unfortunately. Yeah, and then the other one to keep an eye on, it doesn't look like Sammy Watkins is going to play this week. Um, you know, apparently Jim Harbaugh gave a less than confident we'll see when asked mm. about Sammy Watkins. Um, they might be getting Rashad Bateman back in this one. Um, you know, obviously the for, the former first-round pick, somebody that I think a lot of people were excited about that addition because that gives Lamar a true, like, separator and route runner, yeah. which he's never really had. Um, we'll have to see with that one. I, I think they might be cautious because this is the first week that he could be back from his injury technically. Um, so we might not see him, but I don't think we'll see Sammy Watkins. So in, in this one, it's going to be a lot of Marquise Brown, a lot of Mark Andrews, a lot of Devonte Freeman out of the backfield, which is super weird just to see and yeah. say out loud. Um, but it looks like the receiving core for the Ravens is uh, pretty banged up still. Yeah, I mean, this isn't official, um, but Hollywood Brown was playing Madden on Twitch earlier and uh, said that uh, Rashad Bateman is active. <laughs> so he, he might have broken his own news there. I don't know. But right. uh, we'll see. There we nice. go. I mean, that'll be that'll be fun to watch. I, I, as a draft fan, you know, I was a big, I was a big Bateman guy. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to see about that one. Um, all right, guys, anything else about the injury report? Uh, nope. 
The Chargers are back, and there's plenty of excitement in the air about this team. Whether you want to go to a game at SoFi Stadium or you want to go to a road game when Justin Herbert comes to your city in America, ticketing is very important, and it's really important how you get your tickets because there's plenty of sites out there that want to scam you and put all these charges and service fees that you didn't originally agree to. But that all changes with TickPick, the exclusive ticketing partner of the Guilty as Charged podcast and the Blue Wire Network. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. They're the original no-fee ticketing site, and they are able to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it and you can find better prices, TickPick will also give you 110% of the difference on the same purchasing price. The Cowboys are coming up. There's plenty of high-profile Chargers home games coming up, road games all over the place where they travel to Baltimore and go to Kansas City. So you can go get tickets at TickPick.com charged and use that promo code charged to save $10 on your first order of Chargers tickets. I know you want to see Derwin James. I know you want to see Brandon Staley. I know you want to see all those boys and get that Chargers W. So go to TickPick.com slash charged and use promo code charged for $10 off your first ticketing order. All right. Sounds good. Let's move on to our key matchups and our X factors. Uh, I'm going to go first with this one, if you guys don't mind, for the key matchups. To me, this is all about Austin Eckler versus Patrick Queen, the linebacker, and kind of by extension, Jared Cook, because we saw how much they wanted to isolate Jared Cook against Denzel Perryman. Uh, But Patrick Queen is going through it right now. I mean, of course, you know, who are we to talk as Kenneth Murray is too? But, you know, uh, Patrick Queen really has been atrocious in coverage this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Missed tackles was a big issue last year as well. He's missed 10 tackles this year already. Um, for a missed tackle rate of 23.3, which is not very good. Yeah. Um, So he has been targeted 24 times so far in five games. He's allowed 19 catches for 193 yards and one touchdown for a passer rating of 100.2. So teams are going at Patrick Queen. Uh, We saw the, the Colts do this with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. So we've seen Austin Eckler be very, very involved the last few weeks. I think we see that again this week. I think we see Jared Cook isolated with Patrick Crean as well because we hear time and time again from Joe Lombardi that this is a matchup-based offense. And with Jared Cook and Austin Eckler, I think you have some really, really strong advantages over the entire Ravens linebacker core, but specifically Mm. uh, Mr. Patrick Queen. Yeah, it's unfortunate for Queen. That I mean, both guys, both guys, both first round picks. So much promise, yeah. nothing happening. But yeah, the Ravens have missed fifty tackles on the year. I believe the Chargers are at like forty, even with that atrocious eighteen missed tackle performance last week. The Ravens have missed fifty tackles on defense so far. Not yeah. good. So Austin Eckler having a good day sounds good to me. Yeah, I'll I'll say. Um... Mikey matchup also sticking with the Ravens defense, but I'll say Ravens defensive line versus Chargers offensive line in terms of pass rush. Um, I don't think that the Ravens have a guy like a, obviously a Miles Garrett or Crosby that the Chargers have played in previous weeks who are just these pressure creators. Um, but 
I mean, you look at their offensive line or their defensive line in particular. I mean, they have good guys on there, particularly in the interior where the Chargers yeah. are, are going to be putting a new player there uh, in terms of uh, Schofield starting. And then you'll still have Norton there um, on the right side. But they have Calais Campbell. Um, they have Justin Houston as sort of one of their edge rushers, uh, along with Odave Owe, who has had a sort of a great defensive rookie season so far, uh, which has been fun to see. But, you know, they also have, uh, you know, just a bunch of guys like Matabuke and guys who can, you know, clog the middle. Um, I don't think they can give the Chargers a lot of problems from like a Slater standpoint, but I think they can still, you know, kind of sneakily attack uh, sort of the other pieces of the offensive line, particularly the right side now that unfortunately Ode Ibushi is out uh, for the rest of the season. So uh, not a huge concern for me, but this is, you know, 1 p.m. game on the road where I think traditionally home defenses tend to do a little bit of feasting a little. Um, so this could be yeah. sort of what the doctor ordered for that Ravens defense on some level. And I could just see all of these guys, given how experienced uh, they are in a lot of ways, particularly like Calais Campbell and Justin Houston and all those guys sort of coming into this game uh, with a little bit of a you know point to prove, uh, especially with unfortunately Bushi being out now. Yeah, the Odafe Owe is just like so classic Ravens. Like you oh, take yeah. the edge rusher with you know the most question marks, but he's just a freak, and yep. instantly he's a stud, right? Instantly he's got 18 pressures right now, um, it, which is not great, but for a rookie that's very very solid. He's got three sacks after not having any last year, so um, you know that that evaluation was one that I wish I could have back. For I'll, sure. take I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take the W on that one. Yeah, I'll take the W on that one, baby. <laughs> To be fair, I hate Penn State with a passion. In it. I that, I <laughs> oh, I do too, but, but... <laughs> he's from New Jersey, so I had to give him a little bit of a pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, he, but he's been playing really well. I think the, the matchup that really concerns me specifically is Calais Campbell, mm-hmm. um, you know, who still is, you know, just playing at such a high level, and he's 6'8", and, you know, he gets the batted passes like every single game. Blocked a field goal this past week against the Colts, so... Uh, to me, I'm less worried about Owe and Justin Houston uh, than I am, you know, Calais Campbell against uh, Matt Filer and Michael Schofield. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen uh, Matt Filer have some, or I've seen Matt Filer have some struggles with some pad level issues. Um, so this could be a, a big game for Calais Campbell, and I think that to me uh, is really kind of going to determine the day because I, I have full confidence at this point in Rashawn Slater holding his own. I think he's probably this is probably a a one pressure game, if anything, Um, Norton will see, but I, I feel like, you know, always going to go mostly against Slater Houston, mostly against Norton. So that, that'll be, you know, a a wash in my opinion, but to me, it's Calais Campbell uh, that I'm most worried about for the offensive line this week. Yeah. It does seem like they do trust Schofield. I believe they had him on that trap block versus miles Garrett on that fourth and two run with Eckler, which I was, I was surprised, like, you're in the game and go block Miles Garrett on a crucial fourth down. Right. I was like, okay. So they definitely trust him. That's obviously not easy. So, I mean, this is a big, big game because they are going to be playing the defense's nose ahead of time, obviously, that Scoville and Norton are out there. So is this going to be a problem position or can they hang? There's a big season-long outlook here. Yeah, and we all know how the the Ravens like to blitz, too. So Mm -hmm. um, this is a big communication one. We'll see where uh you know norton and Schofield are, are at in terms of chemistry because it took you know abushi and norton a couple weeks to get to that point too so 
Um, big test for that. Tyler, what is your uh, key matchup of the day? My key matchup is going to be Donald Parham versus the secondary. If you talk about Darren Waller, 10 catches, 105 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, seven catches, 109 yards and a touchdown. Granted, those are Waller and Kelsey. Right. But hey, here comes Donald Parham. He's not. I hope they don't make him just his, the secret weapon anymore. He averages 13 yards a catch, 8.4 of those after the catch. You saw that play versus Cleveland where he's both a ballerina and a bull. To me, especially if Mike Williams is hurt and he's not playing, feed it to him a few more times. And, and, and if they can't stop it, keep going back to him. He's just a mismatch kind of guy. And But I'd rather they not use him as like, you know, Jared Cook 80% of the way and then Donald Parham a couple just to get like the the one red zone touchdown, the one first down conversion or whatever. I want to see him being used as a consistent weapon, especially, like I said, with Williams hurt. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see. I mean, he he had a media day this week, which we haven't seen. Uh, of <laughs> and the podium of the... was by his crotch. <laughs> I, I loved his answer about uh, the Kevin Durant dance that he was like practicing his dance in the shower. It's so yeah. funny. Um, but we haven't really seen them use a supporting player like that to have a media day. It's mostly been team captains mm-hmm. and key players. So um, that is just maybe that's just that's probably me just reading too much into something because all I do is think about the Chargers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Donald Parham having a big game, I think, would be a lot of fun to watch, especially if, you know, Mike Williams is out like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, I was just looking on Pro Football Focus. <laughs> David Njoku shot up this list, obviously, after last week. Um, but Donald Parham is tied for six right now in most yards after the catch per re- mm. per reception among tight ends with 8.4. So, you know, he's having a good year. I think we could see potentially a big game this week from him. Hope so. Um, Alex, we'll start with you for the X factors. Who is your uh, X factor of the day? Darius Swinton, um, buddy, you <laughs> oh got to boost that special teams up because I am sick of seeing it. And uh, if it, you know, this is the game where it's going to cost them. Um, they've gotten away with bad special teams play as bad as last year, I would say. Uh, and if you have a bad special teams day, here's the thing. Justin Tucker is on the other side of the field. Uh, and he can kick from 80 yards uh, if he wants to. Uh, you have good punt returners and kick returners for the Ravens who will yeah. make you eat shit in that regard as well. Um, so to me, this is the week where I, I do not think the Chargers can afford. I'm not going to say any special teams errors, but like anything is just going to be you know really detrimental to them potentially winning this game. Um, so I think we need to stand out performance, whether that's mixing things up and, you know, taking KJ Hill out, putting Guyton in, don't think they're going to do it. Uh, whether that's, you know, trying something different than Larry Roundtree, don't think they're going to do it. Um, or this guy knows simply making PATs, um, don't think he's going to do it, (laughs) but, um, it, this is just where the Chargers special teams is. And, um, you know, they, they've gotten away with it in, in quite a few games. But this is the game where, uh, given how good the Ravens are in special teams, I mentioned the second in DBOA earlier, like uh, given how well coached they are as well, if you don't, you know, come to play today with special teams, then uh, like, honestly, I, I would feel pretty comfortable calling it a loss if you're just promising me that special teams is going to be the same as it was last week. Um, so I think everybody involved, not just Darius Winton, but also KJ Hill, Larry Roundtree, Skyno. You know, uh, shit or get off the bot. <laughs> well said. I like it. Go ahead, Tyler. No, I, 
while I do think there's not a whole lot Swinton can do, I am curious because a couple of people have made a big deal, not a big deal, a, a proper deal of the Chargers and their field goal blocking, whether that be the gym's not blocking correctly off the right mm-hmm. side or the timing of the snap count. So I'm actually very interested to watch that. I did not go back and watch any of the other games to see if that was a problem, but I'm very curious to see if that's a problem moving forward. I, I haven't seen it specifically with the field goal blocking, but I would imagine it's a problem because Ty Long gets murdered on every punt. Um, yes. So I would imagine <laughs> it's also the problem there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Calais Campbell, like I said, made a huge career out of blocking PATs and field goals. So mm, hopefully we uh, do not see that this week. Yeah. Unfortunately, a little boring here. Um, my next max factor is Nick Neiman because, I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to be from linebacker four, not playing at all, to linebacker two. In the span of a couple of games, assuming Tranquil yeah. can't go, and it doesn't seem like he can, you know, tackles well, arguably, you know, a more sure tackler than Tranquil may be. Incredibly athletic, but, you know, it's, it's a big game. It's a big game. If he doesn't work, I mean, I hesitate to say that he, if he doesn't work, the defense doesn't work. But if he doesn't work, the defense doesn't work. Like, I really think he has a pivotal role in this game. Do or die. Shit or get off the pot. Second one of the, of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well done, you two. Well done. Um, definitely a big game for Nick Neiman. I, I think my X factor for this one, uh, I've gone back and forth between which member of the secondary I wanted to talk about here. Um, but I'm going to talk about Michael Davis. And I know a lot hmm. of people have been kind of complaining about Michael Davis on Twitter. You know, the interceptions are not there this year. You know, he's who are they so I can go fight these people? Michael Davis <laughs> is our CB1 and he is great. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think this is a potentially a, a big day for Michael Davis because we've seen in the past, mm-hmm. um, you know, particularly against the Chiefs and the Raiders that he's been covering the tight end, you know, covering the deep part of the field. And they're really using him as their poor man's version of Jalen Ramsey, if you want to call it that, to put him in the slot against bigger receivers. You know, they'll press man him on the outside. And I think this is a game where we could see Michael Davis come down with an interception. Um, Lamar Jackson according to pro football focus has seven turnover worthy passes. And so, you know, he is going to give this chargers team uh, opportunities to take the ball away and they have to take advantage. We've seen Michael Davis come up with the fumble recoveries. I think we could see him come up with an interception, but I think I have a a good amount of confidence, a high level of confidence that he is going to hold his own against uh, Mark Andrews. And because of that, I think, you know, the defense, at least in, in terms of, uh covering i think the defense will have a, a good day and i think michael davis will be a big part of that yeah i don't know if it's an expectations thing or what but people are very not some people are down on michael davis as a corner he's given up 31 yards the past two weeks on, on 10 <laughs> targets like yeah. chill i thought personally no one did a better job in their responsibility of Karen covering darren waller than michael davis he was physical yeah. with him he's athletic he could turn and run with him you know are there some moments where you'd like him to be better sure maybe but like you said, poor man's Jalen Ramsey. They're moving him everywhere. I don't get why people are so done on him. I think he's done a fantastic job this whole season, and I think he's only going to get better. Yeah, completely agree there. Um, all right, let's move on to the Bolt predictions. This is always a fun one, Tyler. We missed having you in this segment last time because you've really brought <laughs> some energy in this segment. So I'll let you kick this one off. What is your bold prediction for this matchup? I appreciate that. I also appreciate your synergy earlier talking about Austin Eckler as your matchup because I think my X Factor, or excuse me, my uh, bold prediction is Austin Eckler has 15 receptions in this game. He goes for 100 receiving yards. I don't know how many touchdowns. How bold can we go? Let's say just one touchdown, but 15 receptions. And I think it's justified. We've seen him have like 15 to 20 targets before. 
So I did think he can reach it. But if Mike Williams is gone and your big possession receiver is gone, maybe funnel some targets to Austin Eckler and take advantage of those matchups. Why not? He's arguably your best offensive player. Very bold there with the uh, number of receptions. When was the last time he had double-digit receptions? Do you know? Buffalo, maybe. Definitely targets. I don't know about receptions. Let's look. I'm going to look because I feel like he had a few of those in like 2019. I'm not sure if he had any of those last year. Targets versus Buffalo, I think. And then I think against the Broncos when he or when Gordon was back or something. uh, Buffalo, he had 14 targets and 11 catches. Targets was that that was the most of last year. Against the Panthers, he also had 11 uh, catches on 11 targets that one. Um, So two times last year. Let's look at 2019 because I feel like he had like 15 catches twice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so he had 15 catches against the Broncos and then 11 catches against the Chiefs. So there you go. Okay. Hey. (laughs) So in the realm of possibilities for Austin Eckler. um, Alex, what is your bold prediction for this week? Um, I'm not going to go so much with a stat-based prediction, but I will okay. go with a snap percentage prediction. I think Dear this, God. Is first, <laughs> this is the first week Donald Parham takes over as t- tight end one. I think that Ooh. he will out-snap oh. uh, both Jared Cook and Steven Anderson. Um, I think this is the game we're going to see it. We've seen sort of this building throughout the year. Um, and they've sort of been like funneling Jared Cook out a little bit, uh, particularly the last two weeks. Hasn't given me much fantasy value. Um, <laughs> so I feel like this is kind of the week to get uh, Donald Parham involved. So I'll say from a snap percentage standpoint, if you just want to chunk out the tight ends here, uh, I think that Donald Parham will play the highest percentage out of any of them. So Jared Cook last week had 67% of the snaps. That's his second most of the year. Donald Parham did increase from 52% the week prior to 53%. So, man, they, they're on the way. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> very fun. Very fun. Um, I feel like I've given a lot of love to the rookies in this segment. Uh you know, Asante Sammy Jr.'s uh, interception last week. Tyler, I predicted Josh Palmer's first career touchdown. Uh, oh. Unfortunately, it did not happen. Uh, would love to see that guy get more involved. Um, so I'm going to stick with the theme. I think we see Chris Rump's first sack of his career oh, this okay. week. Um, he didn't really play a ton this past week. I think a lot of that was kind of matchup-based just because the Browns were so heavily involved in the rushing department. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we see Chris Rump's first career sack this week. Going, going bold there. Okay, I'm going to force you to go a little bit bolder. Is it a created sack or a coverage sack? Uh, created sack. Okay, created so he's going to do it all by himself. All right. Do it all by himself. And not a, not a half sack. No half sacks. <laughs> no. <laughs> no Lance Armstrongs today. No Lance Armstrongs for Chris Rump this week. Um, all right, guys, any other uh, bold predictions this week that you want to mention? I hesitate nope. to say that this is the game they get blown out, but I don't think they will. Ooh. But I feel like this is could be the game, especially with that special teams and the injuries on defense, that potentially they get blown out. They'll lose by 20 points. <laughs> <laughs> we get the opposite of the Cowboys one. Um, all right, let's get to our league picks. Um, cool. Is, whose turn is it to go first? I forget. 
It's not mine, I think it's Tyler's, yeah. Uh, so just to give an update on the standings real quick, me and Tyler are now tied at 11 and 4. Steven is 6 and 9, nice. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, yes. so that's how the standings shake out right now. Um, kind of a shit slate of games to pick this week. It is. <laughs> you know, if, if someone's bold enough to take Dolphins Jaguars, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> see if one of you guys wants to take that one. Yeah. No. Uh, so there's Tyler, there's... take it away. Yeah, so there's four teams on bye this week, too, um, mm. which makes it even more difficult. But, yeah, Tyler, go ahead. Uh, two outright picks and then your underdog of the week. Yeah, what an ugly week for picks. My two outrights are going to be the Rams over the Giants. And then I almost had a heart attack last week because the kickers sucked. But I'm going to take the Packers over the Bears. Uh, mm. Sorry for Alex being a Khalil Herbert truther. I just don't think <laughs> that's enough to overcome the Green Bay Packers. Um, and then for my upset pick, I'm going to take the Cardinals over the Browns. I like. Steven's pick last week, taking the Bills over the Chiefs in the upset. If you're going to pick a team, pick a team that can score. So I'll take the Cardinals over the Browns in the upset. That's interesting. I didn't realize that they were uh, underdogs. So I guess it's in Cleveland. Browns at home. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very cool. So I'll go next then. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So I'm going to go Chiefs over Washington. Going to take the gimme one there. Um, Although I do think the Washington football team can cover this one. Um, just because the Chiefs defense is so damn bad. Um, I think next one I'll go uh Cowboys over the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And then underdog, I've picked them several times this year. I'm going back to them, and that's the Seattle Seahawks over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think we might see a little bit of a Geno Smith game uh this week i don't there's really no other underdog that i like um, <laughs> right so i mean like what, are, what am i gonna do take the giants over the rams or the the texans over the colts actually i guess that one's not too bad um but yeah i'm sticking with the, the seattle seahawks over the pittsburgh steelers on the worst sunday night football matchup i can remember yeah thought about that one i'm still not gonna take it yeah, um, I guess I'll go head-to-head with Steven because I'll take the Steelers over the Seahawks. Um, I just, you know, Russell Wilson, if he was playing in that game, I, I would take the Seahawks. But, uh, if you were playing, Steelers... I think the Seahawks would be favored. <laughs> yeah, I think they'd be favored by like <laughs> seven. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think that the Steelers got it together a little bit last week, so I'll talk myself into taking the Steelers over the Seahawks. Um, other than that... Uh, did either of you take Colts over Texans? Is that off the board? You can go for it, yeah. All right. I will take Carson Wentz and the Colts <laughs> to beat the Texans. Why do I do this to myself? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I will take them in that one. Uh, and then uh, the underdogs that are left are <laughs> really <brutal>. bad. <laughs> mm, okay. Fuck it. I'm going to do it. Urban Meyer and the Jags get the (laughs) win over Miami. He's going to grind out this one. (laughs) The most most uncharacteristic uh, Alex picks of his life, probably. (laughs) I mean, he has to get a win at some point. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I almost went with the Lions over the Bengals. I think that that could be an interesting one. Um, I just don't think the Lions frankly have the talent at this point um yeah. that receiving core is just it's awful out there it's tj hawkinson oh, and no one else alex you're banking on pittsburgh the city of pittsburgh carson <laughs> wentz and urban meyer like, 
Are you okay? This is what happens when you go last in the picks, okay? <laughs> this is what happens when you go last in the picks. Brought to you by expressvpn.com slash guilty. So you can go uh, watch all these games in beautiful 22. Uh, and watch Urban Meyer pick up his first win against the Dolphins. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The the poor people over there in Europe started really starting to love football. And what do we do? We give them Falcons, Jets, and Jaguars, Dolphins as the only two London games this year. That's Just disgusting. brutal to watch. But they like sold out apparently. Um of course. And then super cool uh NFL getting some games out in Germany in the future. I think that'd be awesome. Um <laughs> All right, let's uh, wrap this show up with our predictions for this game. Um, I th- I think I'm kind of getting the sense that both of you are going to be picking the Ravens in this one. I'm going to be picking the Chargers. Um, I think that your concerns about special teams are valid. Obviously, the Drew Tranquil injury hurts. But to me, I just trust what Brandon Staley, Joe Lombardi, and Justin Herbert are doing on offense more than I do uh, have concerns about the defense. So I think the defense gets a couple turnovers, limits the damage a little bit more than people are, are kind of thinking. Um, I'm going to take the Chargers in this one, 27-23. I like it. Now, you may think, based on my pessimism, that I think the Chargers would lose. I don't think they will lose. Why is that, do you ask? Well, one, I think the Chargers are a better team. But two, the Chargers are 5-0 and when I take my fiancé out for her birthday. We are currently in the week where I take my fiance out to see if we can get to six and zero. So I'm taking the Chargers thirty to Ravens twenty seven. I do think it's especially based on last week. I think they can score a little more. I also think they can give up a little more. Um, so I'll go thirty to twenty seven. I do think the Chargers will win. Happy birthday to my fiance in about a week. When we going out, probably won't watch the game, but they will get a win because it's guaranteed five and zero so far. And you mean in like three days? What do you mean? Well, we're predicting for well, the Ravens well, game. The Ra- well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But her birthday. I'm taking her out for her birthday, but it's on Sunday. Not like, not like on her birthday. Just for her birthday. Okay, okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, her, yeah. her birthday's in a week, but you're t- you're celebrating on Sunday. Yes. Okay, my mistake. All good. I was not following. Alex. Heart attack. <laughs> Alex, wrap it up, man. Yeah, uh, I don't quite have the same mental gymnastics Tyler did. Uh... <laughs> I feel like the Chargers are losing this game. Um, I don't want to be that guy, but unfortunately I have to. Uh, Just the matchup concerns me more so than the actual team they're playing. I think the Browns, you know, the way that they look coming into that game, obviously they're still a competitive team in the AFC, but I think this Ravens team is unfortunately really rounding into form. It's a 1 p.m. game on the East Coast, um, which, you know, has never really been pretty. They were able to do it against Washington this year, but I don't know if I trust it against this Baltimore team in particular. Um, I think Drew Tranquil is a massive loss just because of you know what the you know perceived drop off is and the fact that they're going to have to play Neem in a lot of snaps, um, having not played in an NFL game before really, uh, and so that I think is particularly troubling in this game. In addition to what I mentioned before, like the Ravens are kind of good at everything the Chargers struggle with, right? Like, and so I, you know, all of that being said, I could still see the Chargers coming in and winning this game. The line is only Ravens minus three or minus three and a half. And I think that's fair given the credit that uh, should be given to the Chargers this season. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a great feeling about this one. I'll say Ravens, Ravens 27, Chargers 21. 
so the line is Ravens minus three, um, just FYI. But I, I think your concerns about special teams, about the run defense are valid. Um, you know, we'll see. This is a very interesting matchup because the rushing attack is is so different. But, you know, we'll uh, I'm not going to say that I have confidence, but I think really I, I have confidence in the secondary this week. And I think the secondary will kind of pick it up a little bit more, create a turnover or two. Um, and I think that's really the biggest difference for me. Um, Tyler, final thoughts before we head out for the day. I had a question for you. If Mike Williams, Drew Tranquil, and Nasir Adderley all do not play, are you changing your pick? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably do the same. If all, if all three of those are not playing, I'm changing my pick because that means you're trusting Nick Neiman, you're trusting Josh Palmer, and you're trusting Alohi Gilman to play starting snaps. So I, I think that changes things significantly. Um, if it's just Tranquil, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of including that in my prediction, but I think if Adderley is out, I probably would change it a couple points. I would still pick the Chargers to win. But if Mike Williams is in this game, I think the Chargers win. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I obviously hope the Chargers win this game. It would be great to go five and one heading into the break, and you know we just have get to have good vibes for a week uh, before they you know start like a pretty relatively easy stretch when you talk about the uh, Pats and the Eagles and Steelers and the Vikings. Like I think those are all pretty beatable games. So going yeah. five and one would be huge going into there. But for me, either way whether they're four and two or they're five and one going into the break, like this is above my wildest expectations. Like sure. I, I was sort of expecting them to be a three and three team heading into the break. So um, either way, regardless of what happens, I think they're set up in a good position as long as they get those players back from injury and hopefully, you know, health, you know, cross your heart and whatever uh, for the field this Sunday, just because like, I don't think they can afford many more injuries on defense at this point. Cross your heart and whatever. That's my, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> I think that's how you can tell. I never go to fucking church at Thanksgiving. <laughs> at Thanksgiving, I'll roll with that one. Like, hey, Tyler, you want to say grace? Yeah, cross your heart and whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that's how you can tell I'm an atheist. But... <laughs> um, oh, man. But, yeah, I I think that, you know, there's obviously going to be some reactions on Twitter. Obviously, if the Chargers lose, there's going to be a lot of negativity. But just remember, four and two is much better than anyone would have expected it. I think even the most optimistic Charger fan, you know, six weeks ago, if they had known that they'd be four and two heading into the bye week, I think they'd, they'd be pretty happy. So um, do your best to stay positive on Twitter. I know that, you know, emotions fly right and the Twitter fingers are real. Uh, well, I will be trying to follow that advice myself, but I, I do feel pretty confident about this one. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts, man? That's it. Let's just go get a win. Yes, let's do it. Um, as always, we appreciate all the ratings or reviews, all the likes on YouTube, comments. Please let us know uh, what you're concerned about in this matchup, what you are confident in. We always appreciate all the support. And if you know any new Chargers fans that are hopping on the bandwagon, please send them our way. We always appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.